Welcome to The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all. Enjoy the show. What happens when the frayed edges of an embattled city finally unravel supports for the very businesses that in turn support it. Those cases feel less like tax delinquency and more like small businesses in dire straits, potentially left behind by a city in crisis. In this week's edition of Willamette Week, the news team does another round of chasing ghosts. But instead of investigating abandoned buildings, this time they're investigating alleged property tax dodgers, whose unpaid taxes could be contributing to all manner of community improvement. It's Saturday, February 18th, and this is episode 111 of The Dive. This week, I'm thrilled to have Anthony Effinger back on the pod to chat about the team's work in putting together this week's cover package, an in-depth look at not just which businesses aren't paying their property taxes, but why. And it's not as straightforward as it might seem. Anthony will help us unpack that in just a sec, but first, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week. Pappy Van Winkle is an expensive whiskey. And OLCC Brass were diverting bottles of the very pricey, rare liquor to themselves, Nigel Jacobs reports. Ousted director Steve Marks, as well as five other agency managers, admitted to swiping the precious bottles and, in some cases, gifting them to yet unnamed lawmakers. Lucas Manfield reports pavers used in a Chinatown renovation project were never properly anchored to anything, And now, they're being used as projectiles to shatter storefront windows. Watch your step in Chinatown. The loose pavers scattered about have become a walking hazard. One of the best films of all time is coming back to Cinema 21 for a limited run. Bennett Campbell Ferguson reports, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon will return. To the theater on February 17th. Now let's catch up with Anthony Effinger about this week's cover package, Chasing Ghosts. Property Tax Edition. Well, I think if, if, if you think about it, you know, where to abandon, how to abandon buildings hurt a city? Well, they're eyesores, you know, they hurt street traffic, uh, they're havens for lots of uh, lousy behavior, but they're also, you know, they can often be in tax trouble. Mm-hmm. And if the owners aren't paying their taxes, you know, we're denied revenue to make the city run. And that's why we did this thing, you know, where we tried to say what you could buy with the tax revenue that these these buildings own, yeah. you know? We, and we tried to tie it kind of to the theme of, of whatever the business was. Like I did one on a sports pub that, you know, we said, you know, if they actually paid up, you could buy a lot of baseballs for uh, high school teams who play baseball or softball. or So... You know, it's where the city gets revenue, and, and Portland's in a little bit of trouble right now if you talk to, to brokers about what's happening to our tax base, yeah. property tax base. Does this end up, are they, uh, are homeowners now carrying this burden? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I do know that people are very worried about downtown because they're, um, downtown office buildings, which are, account for a lot, a lot, a lot of tax, millions and millions of dollars in property tax revenue are empty and emptying. 
and there's been foreclosures. And if those things remain empty and the owners um, either default on the taxes or they get the value of the building written down um, and reassessed, then we lose that tax revenue. Hmm. But I do not know the split between uh, residential and commercial tax revenue in the city. Mm -hmm. But it's an excellent question. Did you... When you were um, looking at this story, big picture, were you comparing our situation to other cities? Like, are other cities dealing with this this picadillo as well? We basically focused on Portland and just rounded up the um, the, mo- the buildings that were most delinquent. If I had to guess, I'd say Seattle's probably in better shape, mm-hmm. and I'd say that San Francisco is probably in worse shape only because San Francisco is really tech focused. Yeah. Right. So a lot of their, they bet big on tech. San Francisco bet big on tech with commercial property downtown. Yeah. You know, that led the Renaissance down there getting like, um, was it Salesforce that went in uh, downtown there? And um, what's the restaurant rate? Yelp. Yelp Mm. was a big tenant in San Francisco. And, you know, tech companies were the first to kind of go, all right, everybody can be remote. And there's a lot, a lot of empty buildings down there. So a lot of what people say about Portland is, yeah, things are bad, but we're not just this tech wreck. Yeah. So what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen when a business that's, let's say it's a thriving business, um, and they just don't pay their property taxes? For example, the A&L Sports Pub that you covered? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. They're they're doing great. They had a Super Bowl party. Um you know, they're they're the place is going strong. I bet you I bet you they had a few bad years during the pandemic. Mm. You know, but they're coming back. And you know, here's the here's the thing. They are pay, they're paying. You know, they wouldn't talk to me. I couldn't get them on the phone, but they're paying. If you look at their receipts, they're 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 making payments now. So, that's a that's a plus. Is it because right? of you? I I don't think so. I think they I think those payments got logged. I know one definitely got logged before we started asking questions. Uh. And the other one is right around the same time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're they're trying to make it happen. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, here's the other thing. Like, the other one I wrote about was about this. I think the most interesting one that I wrote about was the hotel. Yes. The Sure Stay, which is just over 405 south of downtown, right? Mm-hmm. It's on the way up to OHSU, right? Mm-hmm. Home of Suki's. this family has owned it since 1990. They're uh, the, um, this uh, Chinese family that, you know treat their employees really well. The, the front desk uh, manager there is like, could not say enough nice things about these people. I talked to uh, Phil Chung, the son, and he was the nicest guy ever. And he's just like, look, we're doing everything we can to stay open. But, you know, it's still really hard to get people to come downtown. Yeah. You know, downtown is still America. People who used to visit Portland and read about it in the New York Times every two weeks aren't coming because they, you know, they just, they, you know, they, he says they still get questions about whether or not Antifa's running around downtown, you know, and that's over, Mm -hmm. you know, but the the damage has been done. Mm -hmm. And so this guy can't get people into this hotel and his vacancy rates have gone from 80 to 30%. He's like, and you know, I got him on the phone there and I was sort of like, Hey, why have you paid your property taxes? And the guy was like, let's talk about that. (laughs) All right, let's, let's go. Yeah. Talk about that. And he's like, Here's why. Because mm-hmm. this place is screwed up. Yeah. Legitimate. He's like, Yeah. I mean, he's like, look, I'm, we're on a payment plan for the 
you know, the water and electricity. <laughs> and, you know, and he's taking here, this guy, he is, he has rented 14 of his, 14 of his, what, how many rooms? 50 something say to, um, Multnomah County and the city for the joint office of homeless services. Yeah. Right. So they're housing homeless families, Yeah. families with kids and he's getting 75 bucks a night, mm-hmm. you know, and that's revenue for him. And he's kind of like, look, you know, there's a lot of homeless people out there. I can see them around my hotel. The city should take even more rooms from me. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just because if the tourists aren't coming back, you might as well do that. Totally. You know, some of this is not just like, oh, look at these tax deadbeats. It's not that. It's, you know, these people are up against a wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if any business is worse off than these hotels downtown in terms of especially like this is not a fancy hotel right sure like he was saying like you know they, they're they trying to get like 99 bucks a night and if they don't get that they're down you know like 80 mm-hmm. you know and they'll go as low as like 75 you know he's like if somebody walked in right now and said they want a room he'd be like yeah pretty much any price right but now some of these higher end hotels are charging those kinds of rates right how does mm. he compete with that yeah you know when you can get a really nice room for that kind of price. I mean, what's, what's this guy going to do? Yeah. You know? And are those um, like fancier hotels that are going to be like low balling? Are they going to turn around and also rent to homeless families or make deals with the I doubt it. joint office of homeless services? <laughs> I don't think so, but you never know. That model the that, um, the owners of the sure stay and the manager of the sure stay have kind of enacted this, like we'll rent, you know, X amount of rooms to the joint office. You're saying that, like, do you, you think that that's a, potentially a blueprint that could work for the other failing motels and hotels or delinquent motels well, and hotels? This, you know, this hotel owner seemed to think it would for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, but they're desperate for revenue. Yeah. Um, and I know Multnomah County is is renting some of these rooms. I asked them about this particular case. They didn't get back to me. Um, and I know they purchased hotels. Yeah. You know, they have purchased some hotels. They bought one out, what, on 82nd? Um, they cost a lot of money, mm. right? But, but you know, they're, they're not... It's probably cheaper than building stuff, you know? Totally. Um, and I know they opened one, I can't remember the name, but they opened one that has supportive services in it, you know, and there's people kind of at the front desk all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's know. doable. I mean, that's, and that's what these folks need. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, I, there's some really, really, you know, there's some stories that are really sort of um, the tug of your heartstrings, and then there's just people who just aren't paying their taxes. <laughs> yeah, that part. Um, speaking like, of. Like, I'll give you an example. So, the mall. The, the mall. Boys mall. The poor, the mall. sweet, bankrupt mall. Yeah. Mo- okay, so most of the mall was, o- is so the mall was all owned by this company called Cypress Cypress Securities, Cypress Securities, Cypress Properties out of Dallas. And they they walked away. They stopped paying their lenders. And their lenders were two. There was KKR, the big um, private equity firm, which has a real estate fund. And then there was a, another lender on just a little bit of the part of the mall that was Sears. Remember where the Sears was on the east side of the mall? Sure yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that had a different lender. So when that thing went, you know, when they stopped paying and the bank took it back, KKR took back most of the mall. This other lender um, out of Salt Lake just took back the Sears, is trying to take back the Sears property, but they have not been able to foreclose on it mm-hmm. 
because that property's tied up in a bankruptcy of Regal Cinemas, which is a whole other story that you can read about in the Lambert Week. But Regal Cinemas went broke, and they have a claim on this thing, blah, blah, blah. So Cypress still owns this piece of the mall, and they should be paying the taxes, and they're not paying the taxes. That's who, who is responsible for paying taxes on foreclosed property. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy question. It's foreclosed. It's well, it's not. See, this problem is it's not foreclosed yet. It's it's they're trying to be. And once they get a new owner, I imagine once the once the lender gets a hold of the property, they say they will start paying. Mm. Um, but the, but for now, it's like, you know, it's Cyprus. And I couldn't reach them. They tried everything. I emailed them. I called them and they're not talking. You know, and I'm sure that the tax authorities aren't having much more luck. It's, it's an interesting project. Nigel came up with the idea and he, he got the biggest, you know, the biggest um, tax debtors. And, you know, it just reveals like a lot of stories. It just reveals a lot of stories, mm-hmm. you know, about crazy things going on all over town. And, and you know, the circumstances by which people end up in this situation are, they're all different, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just all different. Yeah. You know, some bad decisions, some bad economy. What was the the wildest tax story that came out of this, in your opinion? Uh, well, I think the the biggest one, um, the biggest one is Umpqua Plaza has the largest property tax debt in Portland. Nigel wrote this one up. It was built in '75. It has you know, their names on the door, but it's owned by an affiliate of Zeller Realty Group. You know, a lot of downtown Portland is owned by out-of-town real estate interests, is mm-hmm. what I've found, because I've been poking around on some foreclosures. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is owned by investors from out-of-town who bought the stuff at a bad time, mm-hmm. trust me. You know, this one, is that's a big number. Vacancy rates downtown are, you know, reaching 27% in the fourth quarter. People yeah. think it's actually a lot worse. This building's kind of old. Um, it's not exactly as centrally located as some as like the Fox Tower. Mm. Umqua, oh, Umqua, Umqua Bank moved employees to Lake Oswego. I mean, you know, look, that tells the story, right? So that's a monster. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a marquee name, mm-hmm. you know, important. I mean, come on. So there's stuff like that, you know, and then there's these funny little ones, um, Landlord of a payday lender owns a debt of its own. Dunkin' Donuts, I guess, was in here until 2004. <laughs> the reason for this is delinquent is donut shops are fleeing the state. <laughs> um, the Dunkin' Donuts at the That's corner a of this intersection, uh, I guess, is one of the busiest intersections in the in the state. Oh yeah, and, and Dunkin' Dunkin' abandoned the West Coast in 2004. Well, then I would have to argue with the slogan that America runs on Duncan. You'd have to argue with that. But I tell you what, if you go back to, you know, New England and you said something like that. Yeah, they're going to come for you. They come for you. I mean, they I'm sure they are just killing it out there. Yeah, they're supporting the the entire economy. Out the whole there. economy of New England runs on donuts. <laughs> it runs on Duncan. <laughs> it runs on Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> So yeah, that's what we, that's, you know, we found out, we'd love to hear from people about any other, you know, uh, tax issues out there because the city needs revenue to run. Sure does. You know, and we gotta, we gotta straighten stuff out. Big thanks.
thanks to this week's guest, Anthony Effinger, and thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!